continuing our study in John, going verse by verse. Glad you're joining us this morning. Got the kids downstairs uh, learning about not running from God and some other things, learning about Jonah at the moment. And uh, they're doing their junior church uh, through August. And then our Sunday school teachers will, of course, uh, start their uh, next uh, new year on Sunday, September the 4th. So for you parents that maybe were a little bit confused or maybe you're newer around here, uh, what we're going to do on that Sunday, Sunday, September 4th, just so everybody knows, is we're going to have all the kids get promoted into their next class. So we have uh, a, uh, we have a nursery, of course, and there's Sunday school in there for them. Uh, then we have, now, just to be clear, we don't have the six months old sitting there, you know, opening up their Bibles, right? Uh, but for those that are two and three especially, they, they're learning to sit and, 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 and maybe do some, you know, fun games and, and hear the Word of God. So it's good for them at that age to just get that, that training and that structure. Uh, K-4 and K-5, then we have a, a first through third grade. Uh, let's see here, first through third, am I getting this right? And then fourth through six, right? Sorry, I don't know why that, that confused me for a moment. Uh, so uh, we'll be announcing all the teachers and, and, and uh, those who are willing to back up for our teachers as well when they're out on that Sunday. If your child is moving into that next grade, all right, or moving out of that, so if your child is, you know, for example, uh, was in kindergarten, they're moving out of kindergarten, going into first grade, they would go ahead and on that Sunday change over to that new class. So we'll make that very clear by then. But open your Bibles, John chapter number one. And uh, again, very, very thankful to have you guys here with us as we go explore the scriptures together. Uh, I do want to say this. This has been on my heart quite a bit. The, uh, the spirit of the age that's around us uh, is a, uh, and I'll, I'm going to get into this in the morning service, uh, but it's a very manipulative spirit. And it's one that will make you think you're doing wrong when you're doing right. And one that will make you think you're doing right when you're doing wrong. And the only escape of that and the only uh, way to have clarity in the Christian life is through the Word of God. Because the Word of God doesn't change. Your emotions change and your feelings change and even your vantage point, your perspective of experience changes over time as well. And, uh, and so you, you have to have something that grounds you and that anchors you. And, and I, I don't want to make the Bible study about this subject right now, but I will say this. If you've got multiple authorities... All right. Uh, there will be confusion. In other words, if, if I've got uh, three passages of the Gospel of John and they don't read the same way, I will walk away going, going I'm either confused or the Bible is just written by man and pick the one that you want. And and so it's important that you find where. Listen, God promised to preserve his words. The question is, where are they today? And so that's the challenge for you. If you're newer in the faith is, all right, is, is it just pick any Bible? Any Bible will do. Or it, has God promised to preserve his words in one place? Uh, and you may think that's not a big deal, but there, there comes places in, in, in the scriptures where it's a huge deal. Uh, literally, by taking the letter A out of something, uh, go to John. Uh, come back, we'll come back to John 1 in a moment. But look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Look at verse number 24. Now, I want to be clear with you. Anyone that knows uh, my, my background, my culture, my personality, it's kind of more like, whatever will be, will be. I mean, like, whatever you want, let's do it, right? That's no, no problem. But then you get into the Bible, and God's not that way. And God says, I want you to make the ark of gopher wood. Why gopher wood? Does it really matter? Why do you care so much? God's like, that's the wood that I want. Would you? And you know what? When you read through Numbers and Leviticus, you're like, why does God care so much about everything being done a certain way? Take it up with him when you get there. Here's what I know about him, though. He is particular, and he does want things a certain way. And, and let me just say this as well. When you tell your kids something, you give your kids instruction, and then an hour later, they haven't done what you've asked them to do. And you go, didn't I say this? And they go, well, what I thought you said was this. Doesn't that kind of frustrate you as a parent? And you know what people are doing with God with, 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 when it comes to the subject of the Bible? Exactly that. God gave us his words like, well, I don't know. I kind of don't like the way that was said. I'm going to change it and make it this way. I, this appeals more to me. It's not what appeals to you. That's not how you get a Bible. You don't get it based on what appeals to you. If, if you had a Bible that appealed to you, you know what you would? You don't even have a Bible. You'd have a book written by you. <laughs> so, so let me just show you something as an example. Look at John uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 24. God is, what's the next word? A spirit. a spirit. 
Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think it's a big deal to change one letter in your Bible? Yeah. Take, take the letter A, which happens to be a word in that sentence structure as well. Take that letter, that word out, and it says this, God is spirit. Well, guess what the problem is with that? Go back to John chapter number 1. John chapter 1, look if you would at verse number 14. And the word was made what? Flesh and spirit are not the same thing. So if you say God is spirit exclusively, then Jesus Christ could not be God because when he showed up, he showed up in the flesh. Are you following so far? And guess what? You may think I'm a kind of hobby horse. This is not a hobby horse. There are Bibles that change the language. And when you take that letter A out, and I've got a, I, I got a desk full of them right here, and I could read them, and I could do it right now, because we're not studying that at the moment. But my point is this. You've got to find out in your life who or what is the final authority in your life. It's either going to be I pick it or God. All right? And when you say I pick it, guess who becomes God? You do. And that's what's dangerous about kind of where things are at today. Listen, do you think the devil's behind all this gender confusion? Maybe a little bit. All right. Now, I'm not. Listen, listen very carefully. I am not picking on someone. I'm not looking down on someone. All of us are sinners. Can I get a witness? This is not, you know, let's amen and shout it down because we don't commit that sin moment. That's not what this is about. But you've got to admit, if the devil can convince someone that was born one way, that they don't know what they are, anything can be sold as the truth from that point on. Listen, if you're looking at something right in front of you, you go, well, that's not true. Then anything can be, you can convince, and guess what this is going towards? If you know your Bible, you're moving towards, a, and the spirit of the world is moving to get everyone together in an area of confusion so you get all the sheep in one pen and you get the bad guy to show up and kill them all. And now if you don't know what I'm talking about, look at the book of Revelation, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, we're talking about, of course, the Antichrist in the end times. My point is this, you've got to in your life decide, is God going to be my authority or not? And let's be honest, even those of us who believe the Bible from cover to cover, there are moments in our lives, self-included, I'm preaching to myself right now, self-included, where I know what God says, but, and I just want to encourage you this morning to, to kind of recenter your life because that's what church is supposed to be for, is to help remind you what this is all about. And guess what? I got news for you. It's not all about me. Yeah, thank God. And it's not, thank God it's not about pastor, amen? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not about you either, amen? <laughs> you understand? The, the point is, it's not about us, all right? Uh, it's about him and about what he says, and about what he desires, and what he thinks is right for our lives. So uh, go back to John chapter 1, just a little bit of interest to why we're studying the Bible the way that we are. John chapter 1, line upon line, precept upon precept, uh, verse number 18, no man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. The Son is declared the Father. Now I want to just uh, take a moment, and we talked a little bit about this uh, last Sunday. I got to find my pointer, my clicker. It's in here somewhere. There it is. All right. Uh, now, Lord only knows if it's going to work today. We're about to test this and see if it does. Oh, hallelujah. That was all right. Um, so, so it says there, no man has seen God at any time. And yet, we believe that Jesus Christ is God. All right. And, and so, uh, I don't mean to embarrass, but Lupe, it's good to see you, sister. Man. I remember Miss Lupe from years ago. Man, her kids are so big. Oh, sorry, sorry, guys, sorry. Pastoral ADD moment, forgive me. Um, but uh, the idea is this. It says, no man has seen God at any time, and yet Jesus Christ declares to be God. And, and so you need to understand that their context is important. Those going through discipleship or who have gone through discipleship, do you remember the lesson about how to study your Bible? And right at the top was looking at the context, all right? The, the word context is a Latin, uh, the Latin prefix. I don't know if they still teach this in school or not, but con, those of you Spanish speakers, con, con, right, with, all right, Bella, I'm proud of you, good job in Spanish, all right? People all, all the time, they go, you, you guys are fluent in Spanish, right? They ask my kids, like, no, they're like, your dad didn't teach you? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, my dad didn't care enough to teach me, thanks a lot. Uh, but context means with the text or with the writing, and if you don't read something in context, 
you can take it out of context and it becomes a pretext. You can make it say anything you want it to say. So, so look, if you would, at verse number 18 again and notice this. When he says, no man has seen God at any time, who is he referring to? Look, look at what he says later on. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Him is a pronoun. The antecedent of that pronoun is God. All right, And the antecedent is the Father. So the idea is this. No man has seen the Father at any time. The Son is the one that's declaring him. Does that make sense? All right, look at Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33, we'll come back to this. Again, John chapter 4, God is a spirit, all right? And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Exodus chapter 33. And, and listen, it, it takes faith to interact with, with God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, all right? Uh, Exodus 33, look if you would at verse number 18. I've heard people say this before. I wish God would just show up and tell me exactly what he wants me to do. Right. Well, he gave you 66 books found in one book to tell you exactly what to do. Um, and, and by the way, one time God literally did. Nice haircut. Nice haircut. Yeah. Uh, one time God did show up uh, and on top of him, Moses on top of a mountain and God shows up there. And then a couple thousand years later, you got Peter, James and John. Right. Is that right? Do You guys know. You guys are kind of like, I think so, on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? And you got, you got Peter there, and he opens his mouth and says all that stuff, and the Lord, you know, the, the, the Father comes over and speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved Son whom I am well pleased. Remember that? Well, over in Second Peter, you know what Peter says about that? He says, you have something more sure than the experience that I had on top of a mountain hearing the voice of God. Amen. You know what he's talking about when he says you have something more sure? He's talking about the Scriptures. All right. So and, and, and so it's important that you understand people say all the time, I wish I was there. You really do wish you were there when God showed up and the people thought they were all going to die. I don't know that you do want that. All right. You are interacting with God in what may be the, the I would say this, the most gracious extension of the manifestation of God that's ever been given on this planet right now through Jesus Christ. Uh, look at Exodus 33. Look at verse number 18. And this is Moses. He said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I want to see you, God. I want to know who you are. I've been talking to you, but I haven't seen you. And he says this, I will make all my goodness, this is God speaking, pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy and whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou canst not see my what? And for there shall no man see me and live. So when Jesus says, no man has seen God at any time, he's referring to God the Father, all right. No man has seen him. So guess what? God says, OK, because you can't see me that way. I'm going to show up this way in the person of Jesus Christ. All right. And, and that's the point of the manifestation. Look at John chapter 10. That's the point of the manifestation of Jesus Christ. You can't in your mortal body. You could not stand in front of God. You would melt away. All right. The Bible says our God, our God is a consuming what? Fire. All right. Uh, John chapter 10, John chapter 10, look if you would at verse number 30. John chapter 10, verse number 30. I and my father are what? All right. Now, now the reason you know this is important is because the, you, you can tell when you strike a nerve with people. All right. Uh, one way to tell is like by facial expression, right? Sometimes I'll be preaching and I see a look and it's kind of like, and it's kind of like, I doubt what you're saying, you know, sometimes it's like this. Right? <laughs> but I've never had anyone pick up stones and try to kill me. That's never happened. All right, so look at verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. All right, so, so basically what you have going on here is you've got Jesus Christ making a declaration about who he is. He says, I and my Father are one. Uh, just like you just read in John chapter 1, the only begotten Son that's in the bosom of the Father, all right, basically he is, he is one with him, all right? Uh, when you are, when, when uh, you remember the story of the Last Supper and uh, John, uh, the, the author of the Gospel of John, is leaning on the bosom of Jesus, remember that? All right, Th that was a picture of fellowship. So when Jesus says, all right, the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, he's saying, look, we are one and the same, we are God. I am the manifestation of God in human form because if he showed up and you, and you were still in your human body, you couldn't take it. 
And that's, what, that's why God tells Moses, look, uh, we didn't read all of it, but in Exodus 33, God tells him, look, you'll see the backside of me, but I, you can't see my face because if you did, you would die. You wouldn't live. All right. So, so the idea is this. There is no doubt in my mind whatsoever when you get to know the scriptures and, and, and compare them one with the other through the gospel of John especially, uh, that, that the, the agenda of the Son is to make known the Father because man could not know the Father as deeply as he could without having God manifest himself to him. So Jesus takes that role on. Uh, look at John chapter 16. Go to John 16. So you know what Jesus says? Uh, I'm here to represent the Father. Now then, when Jesus leaves, who represents him? There's two, there's two parties that represent him. All right, you'll look at John 16. Look, if you would, at verse number 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. That's a, by the way, that is the sign of a spirit-led individual. They don't talk about themselves all the time. They talk about someone else, someone more important. All right? And he says, For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All right, now the idea is this. The idea is this, is that, that God chose to manifest himself through the person of Jesus Christ, all right? And, and that's why we, 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 we cling to the Bible doctrine that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. I know we looked at it before, but uh, go over to 1 Timothy chapter number 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And, and as you turn there, the idea is this. Just as God uh, was represented by Jesus, uh, God the Father was represented by Jesus Christ, now that Jesus is no longer physically on the planet, right, the Spirit of God represents him today. Well, where is the Spirit of God found today? He's inside of you. <laughs> And so you're the representation of Jesus Christ. The Bible says of you that you're like an open letter known and read of all men. Your job, your job, number one, you say, well, my career is I, you know, I'm a banker. Or I'm, a, I, I'm an accountant. Or I'm, your, your number one uh, calling in life once you're saved is to be a representation of Jesus Christ. And, and that's, that's your, now it's a choice. You don't have to do it. Uh, someone recently sent me a, uh, by the way, you can't learn your Bible through TikTok. Anybody know that? All right, let me, let me give you some clarity. You can't learn your Bible that way. You can't learn it just through YouTube. Um, and someone sent me a little clip of, I think it may have been Paul Washer, and he's a well-known Reformed uh, speaker, a Reformed preacher. And he said basically in so many words that, uh, you know, if you are saved, all right, uh, he said it this way, if it, there's no one that would be saved that would live a carnal life their entire uh, saved experience, and I beg to differ. Uh, I wish that weren't the case, but there are many saved people who live a very carnal life for most of their saved experience. All right? Now, you say, what, what, what scripture did he quote? None. And it was a 30-second clip, and so someone goes, is this right? He didn't quote any scripture. <laughs> you can't learn the Bible from 30-second clips, guys. Okay? you got to get, thank you, all right? you got to get in there, and you've got to read it, and you've got to study it. And that the vehicle that God gave for that, by the way, is your local church, which is why you're here. Thank God. I'm glad you're here. Uh, look at First Timothy chapter 3, and look at verse number 16. Again, talking about the mystery of godliness and that G, the, the fact, the Bible fact that Jesus Christ is God. All right? The Bible says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Now, I, I, I'm, again, not trying to ride a hobby horse, but I'm trying to point something out. Uh, there are some Bibles that say He was manifest in the flesh. Uh, some don't even mention anything about being manifest in the flesh. When you start changing the wording, you can change a lot of things. This is a very critical verse in the Bible that tells you that Jesus Christ is, in fact, God. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up into glory, basically gives you his entire life experience, if you will, in one verse, all right? But, but the idea is this. There's no doubt that when you see Jesus Christ, you're seeing God, but you're seeing God manifest in the flesh. You're not seeing God in... in, in uh, as a spirit in all of his gl eternal glory, because if you did, your human body couldn't take it. Uh, go back to John chapter 1. I want to make, make that clear, though, because 
Uh, what people will do is they'll take a verse like that and they'll go, see, he can't, he can't be God because he says no man has seen God. Well, that's the, that's the whole point. No man has seen God, so God decided, God chose to manifest himself in human form so that we could know him more intimately. All right, look at John chapter number one. And I would, I would beg, I would beg uh, uh, make the case, if you would, that you can know God better today on this side of the cross because of Jesus Christ than you could in the Old Testament. I, I would make that case. Now, there were certain people that walked with God and knew God intimately, and, and those are exceptional individuals. I'll tell you why. Because in the Old Testament, you don't have the promise of everyone that believes in the Lord of having the eternal indwelling of the Spirit of God. Uh, and yet, there were people, exceptional characters, who walked with God in spite of not having that promise. Aren't you glad that when you get saved, He comes and lives inside of you? Uh, John chapter 1. Now, now, there are moments you don't always appreciate that, especially when He's telling you, be quiet, don't say anything. Or, or you know, He might say it like this, don't type anything, <laughs> Right? Don't, hey, think about it. Think about it. Or, or he might say, he might say this. Don't look at that. He might say, why are you thinking that way? Uh, you don't always appreciate him, but you ought to be glad that he's inside of you. All right. Look at John chapter one and uh, moving on uh, from here, uh, talking about uh, the question that's thrown at John in regards to identity. Look at John chapter one, uh, verse nineteen. This is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? You got to ask yourself that question this morning. Who am I? What am I all about? Why am I here? Now, I'm going to give you the, the information on John and make it very clear why he was here. But I want you to ask yourself that question. Like, what makes up my identity? Is it my job? Is it my family? Is it my hobbies? Is it my fill in the blank? Or is it the fact that if any man be in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, he is a new creature. Your identity should be found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Your identity should be found as you pour through the pages of this book. That should be what becomes real to you. Uh, look, look at what happens here, though, because they ask him these questions. What then? Art thou Elias? Verse 21. And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. No. <laughs> Don't you love it when you're asking someone deep questions like, nope, <laughs> nope, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the, the, the people that God uses in the Bible, they are characters. And John the Baptist is no exception to that rule. But I want you to notice, he says in, in verse 20, he confessed, I am not the Christ. All right, I am not the Christ. Now, uh, look at John chapter 3 real quick. Go just a little bit to the right, John 3. Sometimes knowing who you aren't is a good place to start. Okay? So start with this. I am not God. So I will not treat others as if I was God. Can we start with that today? All right. Uh, John says, I am not the Christ. Now, the term Christ means the anointed one. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But look at John 3 and verse number 28. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said. Now, this this. This topic of conversation comes up more than once, all right? That I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride, we learn later on who the bride is, Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 29, is the bridegroom, that's Jesus Christ. But the friend, that's John, talking about himself in the third person, of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth and rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's Voice, this my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must what? But I must what? Those are your options. And they, they can go, it can go in the opposite direction as well. If you increase, he decreases. All right? If he increases, you decrease. And that's how that, that's meant to be. Now, the idea is this. They're asking him who you are. He says, look, I am not the Christ. And why that title means so much is this. Uh, keep your hand here and go to Acts chapter 16 real quickly. Acts chapter 16, uh, the Bible says in, in one place in the book of Acts, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. I believe that's Acts 10, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to look at my Bible concordance right here. Is that right? No? Don't know? Not sure? He's not going to tell me. <laughs> I'm never playing poker with you. All right. <laughs> Acts chapter 16, look if you would at verse number uh, 30 and brought them out. This is uh, uh, Paul in the jail there in, in, in Philippi. 
Uh, the Philippian jailer is, what, is how this chapter is known and how he gets saved. And he says this, after the earthquake happens and after the chains fall off, and yet the prisoners, these believers, Paul and Silas, are still there. The, the jailer who's about to kill himself, all right, he's about to fall on his sword because under Roman law, if prisoners escape, you're off with your head. And so he's about to fall on the sword, and Paul says, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And so then the, the, the Philippian jailer, you know, gets up and he kind of, I'm sure there's probably tears streaming down his face. He's about to take his life. Think about the point you would be at if you're about to take your life and the nervousness and the anxiety and, and where your mind would be. And to get up and look at those men smiling and knowing that you whipped them and you beat them. And all night long, all they did was sing and praise God and pray. You would look at men like that and go, I want what you have. Amen. And so he says, what must I do to be saved? And look at his answer in verse 31. Uh, Paul and Silas say this. They said, that there shows unity in their message, all right? Believe on, now I want you to look at the title. Uh, who's given here? The Lord. There's, there's three things here. Lord, Jesus, Christ. And I want you to get, if you're taking notes, I want you to get a hold of this. The Lord is the title given to God as the supreme title of mastership and, and really lines up with the fact that He is God. The deity of Jesus Christ, the fact that he is divine, the Lord, Jesus is his human name, all right, uh, which is why he didn't just say believe on Jesus. There's a lot of, if you go to the phone book in Mexico City, you'll find a lot of Jesuses, amen, all right? They're not all the savior of mankind. So, so, so Jesus is his human name. Now, why go on to the term Christ? What, what does that mean? What's the deal? Why does it matter? Why not just say believe on the Lord Jesus? Why say the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the term Christ means anointed or the anointed one, all right? And so the Lord Jesus Christ is, is the, he's God, he's man, and he was the one sent and anointed to fulfill a ministry that ended with your salvation, all right? So, so the idea is this. In the Old Testament, what they would do with a prophet or a priest or a king, the sons of Aaron anyways, they would anoint them for the service that they were going to do in their ministry, all right? The king had authority, but his authority came from God, all right? Uh, the, the, the priest had authority, but his authority came from God. The, the prophet had authority to say, thus saith the Lord, but where did his authority come from? It all points back to God. And so the idea is this, when someone was anointed, to carry out a ministry, that was God's sign of saying, I approve of that person. My hand is on them. They, they are anointed, not just by men, but by me. Uh, and, and the New Testament side of that, you've got kind of a, 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 an example that in, the New, in the New Testament, not so much with the anointing of physical oil, but with the laying on of hands, where, where someone is, as the New Testament word is, ordained into the ministry of the gospel, all right, they should be proven. They, they shouldn't be someone that shows up and has a, you know, a degree from YouTube and tells you, well, I want to go do this and I want to go do that. No, you ought to be proven in the Lord's work through a local church before someone lays their hands on you and says, yeah, go get them, tiger, because the world is filled with people that want to do stuff for God, but they don't want to do it God's way. So the anointing was, was a sign from God that he is the right one. He is set from me, all right? Uh, look at, uh, that's why when, when, by the way, that's why when John the Baptist goes, I am not the Christ. In other words, I'm sent, but I'm not sent to do that ministry. You know what you learn from John the Baptist? Stay in your lane. Whatever lane God puts you in, stay there and don't get out of it. Don't try to do someone else's ministry and don't try to do God's ministry <laughs> because God does that better than you and I can. Uh, sometimes you try to control things and manipulate things. We're going to talk about manipulation in the morning service. And, and, and I'll tell you what, you will get yourself in a world of hurt because what you're trying to do is you're trying to do what only God can do. And, and so John the Baptist goes, I am not the Christ. I'm not the anointed one. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. And the Pharisees were always asking, are you the Christ? Are you the Christ? <laughs> and, and, and even when Jesus told them, they didn't believe him. You know, there's some people, you can tell them everything, every verse of Scripture you can show them, and they won't care. Here's what I learned a long time ago. When someone wants help and they want Bible truth, you can call me at 3 a.m. 
Let me flip it around. If you paid me a lobster and steak dinner to come debate you for an hour, help yourself. I ain't going. You know why? Because that, that, there's, no, there's no fruit from that. All that that becomes is about ego. And I'm more right than, you're, than you are, right? And, and so you know what, what you see here is with the example of the Pharisees, which we might get to later, is they're always searching for the truth, but they're never, never able to get to it. And the reason why is because uh, their search for the truth was kind of surface. They asked all the right questions, but they didn't want the right answer. I've had people ask me things, what do you think about this? Tell them. Hmm. <laughs> you asked <laughs> years ago. I'll never forget it. It was uh, 2010. 2010, I think, maybe 11. I had someone, a family member, ask me a pretty significant and deep question about a direction they were going in their life. Now, keep in mind, you're asking a Baptist preacher, right? Keep that in mind. There's some context there. And, and I believe what God says is true, even when I don't like it myself. I would never have written a Bible that says, love your, your wives as Christ loved the church. I would have written a Bible that says this, love your wife when you feel like it and she measures up to your standard. Come on now, don't look at me like I'm an evil ogre. That's how you men live your lives. Amen. And you, don't look at me like you live your life like you always serve your wife as Christ. Come on, what is going on right now? You guys are setting me up, like hanging me out to dry. Gentlemen, you know you don't do that. It says love your wife as Okay, you get in the car and she goes, I'm cold. And she, she turns up the heat and you're like, no, I'm boiling. I can't take this. You always want your way. And that's temperature in a car, let alone dying for her. Are you listening this morning? I wouldn't have written this book the way that it's written. I didn't write it. Neither did you. God did. And so, and so the reality is this. Uh, you've got to come to grips with if you're searching for truth, when the answer's in front of you, take it. The Pharisees wouldn't do that. Matthew 16, look if you would at verse number uh, 15. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Now, now, now listen, here's the, the thing. This question was thrown at John the Baptist. It was also thrown at Jesus Christ. And what Jesus did with his disciples from time to time is he would ask them questions to see kind of where they were at with everything. All right? And that's, that's a good way to learn where people are. Is ask questions not as much as just talking all the time. And, and look what Jesus does in verse 13. At the end of the verse, he asks this question. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, the answers are really curious. Look at verse 14. Some say thou art John the Baptist. <laughs> like, like, basically, he came back from the dead. You guys do know I was here before he died, right? That's what Jesus would have said to that, right? So he was there before John the Baptist died, to be even, even if he was resurrected. All right? So some say John the Baptist. All right? Others, some say Elias, Elijah. Others, Jeremiah. Have you ever read what Elijah talked like? What Jeremiah talked like? Um, the fact that anyone thought Jesus was one of those guys shows you the difference between our perception of who Jesus is today in modern Christianity. I say our. I'm not saying there. I'm saying our because I don't think we grasp who Jesus Christ is. And, and they're looking at Jesus' Jesus's life going, man, he's like Elijah. He's like Jeremiah. Have you read those guys in the Old Testament? The way they talked wasn't always very flowery, all right? Uh, uh, some say Jeremiah, and they're giving these different answers, or one of the prophets. Then he says this in verse 15, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter's like, he's been on the edge of his seat the whole time. Me, 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 pick me, pick me. It's like a kid in Sunday school. I know, I know, I know, I know who you are, I know who you are, right? <laughs> and, and, and Peter jumps up and he goes, thou art the Christ. Now look at the title. Thou art the that's a, that's a, that's a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, definite pronouns that I'm looking for? Article, definite article, thank you. The, the Christ, all right? The Christ, homeschool mom's got it all over. Yep, definite article, got it, all right? Uh, and they're, they're debating between themselves over what grammar things going. Yeah, she's just trying to correct you or something. All right, the Christ, all right? That's a definite article. So he's saying, I'm the one. You're the one, all right? Now, there are more than one Christ. There is more than one. There are false Christs, but when it comes to the real one, there's only one. Uh, how many of you guys lived through the 80s? Remember, remember Coke, the real thing? Remember? Sun will always shine, the birds will always sing. As far as there is fun, there's always the real thing. Coca-Cola classic, it's always the one. Wherever there is fun, there's always Coca-Cola. He said, what's it all about? We're the real ones. We're the real Coke. We're the real soda people, right? That's their whole claim. You know what Jesus Christ said? 
He says, I'm, I'm the Christ, the real thing. Now, there's fake ones, but there's only one real one. There are many gods, but there's only one God. That's what Paul says in Corinthians when he's talking about idols. But there's only one real God, Ephesians chapter 4. All right, now, uh, come with me, if you would, to, uh, oh, let's see here, Luke, Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. If you didn't live through the 80s, I'm sorry. You missed out, man. It's a great time to be alive. Luke chapter 2, look if you would at verse number, um, oh, that's, yeah, verse number 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. This kind of gives you a, a little bit of a window's glance that when Jesus Christ first showed up, it wasn't so much about the church, it wasn't so much about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that wasn't the message. It was about the consolation of Israel, the coming of the kingdom to Israel, all right? And the Holy Ghost was upon him, talking about Simeon. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the what? Now, why does he say the Lord's Christ? Because there's more than one. The Lord's Christ is Jesus. And, and basically, Simeon had received from the Holy Spirit you are not going to die until you see my anointed one, the Lord's Christ. Look at Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number 9. You'll see the Lord's Christ. Here's another term, the Christ of God. The Christ of God. Look at Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter 9. This is, Luke 9 is a uh, parallel passage to what we read earlier in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, look at verse number 18, Luke 9, 18. It came to pass as he was alone praying his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? By the way, there's a great nugget in there. You might miss it. Uh, you'll, the Lord will ask you a lot of things when you're in a moment of prayer. You just got to get there. You know what you live in? You live in an age where prayer is like the hardest thing in the world to get to. Uh, even your Bible, people see you reading your Bible. But there's something about prayer that's just, it's kind of in the shadows. It's kind of like, well, does it really matter if I get to that? I'll tell you this, you go a whole week without praying, you go a whole month without praying, your mind is different, all right? Now, they're in prayer, and the Lord asks them, who do people say that I am? And look at verse 19, kind of the same kind of response that you saw in Matthew 16, but look at verse 20. He said to them, but Peter, who say ye that I am? Peter answering said, the Christ of who? So it's the Lord's Christ. In other words, there's a particular uh, uh, a Christ, the one, the chosen of God. Look at Luke 23. He's the chosen of God, right? And the reason that matters is this. We're talking about the fact that God chose to come in the flesh. We call that the mystery of godliness. Do you know what the mystery of iniquity is? Uh, now, for sake of time, I'm not going to go through all the, the mysteries of the New Testament, but uh, the mystery of iniquity is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And basically, it's the mystery of godliness inverted, right? So, so the mystery of godliness is God showing up in human form. The mystery of iniquity, on the, other, on the other hand, is Satan showing up in human form. Well, who is Satan showing up in human form? He's the anti-Christ, right? He is a false Christ, right? So, so look at Luke 23, uh, verse number 35. Luke 23, verse 35. Luke 23, verse 35. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him, sa let him save himself. If he be who? The what? of God, The chosen of God. So it shows you. The, by the way, the Bible is the best commentary on itself. If you want to know what a word means, now listen, I could have told you that Christos is the Greek word, and I could take you to the different forms of that word and, and get out a lexicon and show you different things from the Greek. But the reality is this. You don't speak Greek. Barely you speak English anymore. Any of us, right? What's up, Bay? You know, showing up. What is uh, uh, Wait, wait, wait. Uh, low key fire, high key ice. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. That's not English, all right? But, but what I'm getting at is this is that you speak English, and so God gave you a book in your language so that when you want to find out what a Bible term means, Leonard Jr., you escape by sitting back there, but you're up, you're up with them in spirit. I know it, all right? So, so uh, when, when you're reading a term like Christ, you can understand that Christ means. The chosen of God. 
or the anointed one without ever going to the original languages. It's right there in your scriptures, all right? Um, let me give you this. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 24. Because the warning that Jesus Christ gives before he is crucified, because you've you got to keep this in mind, okay? When, when Jesus is preaching and he shows up, what is the message that he's preaching? He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And as he preaches the gospel of the kingdom, uh, they are the, the disciples. The more Jesus talks about it, the more they start looking for the kingdom to show up. Kind of makes sense. Today we're preaching Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. And you ought to be looking at the clouds every once in a while. You ought to look up there and go, maybe today. <laughs> it ought to do that for you. The Bible says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, right? So it ought to do that for you. For the disciples, it was about the kingdom. And so what, before Jesus died, all right, they're expecting a kingdom to show up. And so the instruction that Jesus gives them is not so much in light of 2,000 years of church history, which is where we're at now, but he gives it to them as if the kingdom were going to show up right then. So what happens right before the kingdom is set up on this planet? The Great Tribulation. So look at Matthew 24. In Jesus discussing the Great Tribulation, look at Matthew 24. And look, if you would, at verse number uh, 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man what? Now, let me tell you, you live in a world of constant deceit. Um, I'm not the guy that, I'm I'm sure there are some of you that would say, you know, I can't stand seeing anyone take a selfie and, you know, they put themselves online. I'm not going to go that far, but if you do, that's fine. But I'll say this much. When you do that and you're smiling, how come you never do that when you're throwing up, when you're in a fight with your wife, or when you can't get your kids to obey you, or whatever else? Because what you see online is not all real, right? It's not all true to life. And, and so you live in a constant, the, the young ladies in here, God help them, if you spend too much time online, you'll lose your mind. You'll find every imperfection on your face and on your body because you don't look like that. Well, guess what? She don't look like that either. That's hours of makeup, and God knows what else is going on there. Okay, because you live in a world of constant deceit. All right. He says, take heed that no man deceive you. Now, uh, what, what comes after this statement? Look at verse five. For many shall come in my name saying, I am what? Not just one, many. All right. You, you've got uh, cults uh, around the world. Uh, what's the one from Korea? The sun, moon one, what it, whatever that is. All right. Moon, sun, star, planet. I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, you guys know, what, some of you know what that is, where the guy basically says, I'm, I'm Christ. I'm Christ. Uh, and what's scary about it is billions of dollars have gone to that cult to build a kingdom on this earth. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, when Jesus shows up, he ain't going to ask for your money. Okay? Uh, he's going to establish his kingdom without your help or, or anybody else's. Uh, so so he, there's a warning here. Look, look down later on in the chapter. There. Look at verse number uh, 24. Verse 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now, that's the elect of Israel. The cross-reference there is Isaiah 45, verse number 4, as you're taking notes. That's not the elect in regards to, you know, save people in the church or anything like that. But the idea, by the way, you won't be here for that. Amen. I've been people like, oh, I think I'm going to go through tribulation. I'm like, help yourself. Send me an email from, from down here when I'm up there. If you would, let me know how it's going. I don't want to be here for that. And I'm thankful God takes us out of here before that takes place. But, but the idea is this. As you get closer and closer and closer to the rapture, the tribulation, and eventually the second coming and establishing of the kingdom of Jesus Christ on this earth, the spirit of Antichrist is going to be working over time. Uh, look at 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John, now... We're in the Gospel of John, which technically is the first John in your Bible. It's a little confusing, uh, but it's the first epistle uh, written by John. Uh, the book we're in right now is the Gospel of John that details the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. But look at 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse number 1. Okay, let me ask you a question. Um, our state was on the... Uh, pioneering cutting edge of the legalization of marijuana um let me ask you guys a question those of you that have been in colorado for at least 10 years have you seen your state change 
Have you seen homelessness go up? All right. Have you seen? This isn't to judge any. You say things like, are you judging the homeless? I'm not saying anything about homeless people. I'm just saying, have you, if anything, my heart breaks. Ask yourself, why is this? Oh, because they don't want to work. But you, may, maybe for some, but, but I'll tell you for some, you know, it, it starts as an addiction to something. Now, they promised billions of dollars in tax revenue. That's all gone. You know what you have now? You got rising crime. You're the third leading state in the country for crime. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, just, just legal. No, there will be no repercussions, no mental health issues, no homelessness issues. You know what that was? That was a lie. Now, the reason I say this is this. If I were to take uh, a baggie of marijuana and I put a label on it and said, marijuana for Jesus. Or no, I put Christian marijuana. It has a little cross on it. Would that make it any better? All right. I hope the answer is no. Okay. Some of you don't have, have a problem with the other kind anyway. You're like, I don't see what the problem is. All right. <laughs> the, the point is this. Just because someone comes in the name of Christ doesn't mean they're right. How do you know when someone's right or wrong? Well, I like how they sound. A, a dog. My, uh, we got, we've been watching, uh, not just having our dogs, but we're watching uh, Joe's dog because he was doing this mission trip in Malawi. So I basically told him, you owe me your firstborn child. Uh, <laughs> so, but anyways, his dog's a funny dog. You can go to his dog and really almost any retriever type of dog, and you can pet him and start going, I'm going to put a bullet in your head. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And they'll wag their tail. <laughs> and then you can go up to that same dog and go, I love you! And they'll go. You know what the dog does? It only can hear tone. And you are being conditioned to do that today in society. If someone gives a lie, but they say it real sweetly, you're like, oh. You be real careful with that. Because not everyone that comes in the name of Christ is there on the behalf of Christ. This is the warning that he's given. Look, look at uh, 1 John 4. Look, if you would, at verse uh, number uh, 1. Beloved, believe not in every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out, gone out in the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of what? All right, that is the spirit that is at work in the world today. And it's on you to go, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to weed through all that deception. How do I do that? I do that through this right here. Lord, how does that measure up with what you say about that subject? Um, and, and, and so even if someone shows up with signs, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll close here. And then if anyone's got a, a, a brief question, we'll open up to questions. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to say thanks to everyone that came out on Friday night, had a great time out there on the streets, and uh, really good just to represent Jesus Christ publicly in our community. And uh, I'll tell you, a lot of Christians, if you didn't catch it, there were a lot of Christians that were very encouraged by you just being out there. Uh, Christians need to see other Christians stand up for Jesus Christ. It's a good thing. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, look if you would at verse 3. Let, let no man deceive you. There's that warning again, and by any means... For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. That's the church, God's people, moving away from the truth. That's why as the years go by, you should hold on tighter and tighter to this. All right, And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, talking about the Antichrist, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now look at... Look at when it talks about the ministry, I'll use that term loosely, of the Antichrist, look at verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. How does Satan show up? With power and signs and lying wonders. So just because someone has power and just because someone looks like they're talking about God doesn't mean that it's right. And you have to have enough discernment to weed through that. And the only way to do that is through this right here. All right, let's go ahead and stop right there. We'll pick it up next week. Uh, any questions as we're closing out? Any questions? Going once, going twice. Here's my question. Why are we always ending late? Yes, sir. The true prophets? Yeah, well, well, real believers or just, 
Preachers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got you. Okay. Um, the, the Bible says that uh, if anyone's going to preach, let them speak the oracles of God. Right. In other words, the, the word oral means mouth, right? So an oracle is something is re- that is revealed through speaking. And if someone's going to get up and they're going to say something and it doesn't line up with the oracles of God, the scriptures, then you have to say, okay, maybe they're a nice person. Maybe they're wonderful. I'm not even judging their character, but I can't follow that. Okay, so that's how you do that. It's how you line those things up. Anybody else before we close out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, go to Acts 16 real quickly, just so you know what he's talking about, Acts 16. Uh, Let me tell you what it doesn't mean first. It doesn't mean that uh, just because one person gets saved, that everyone in the house is automatically saved, all right? Uh, But what it does mean is this. If this man, Acts chapter 16, look if you would at verse number uh, 31. The answer to what must I do to be saved is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Then he puts comma and thy house. All right. Now, the comma there is pretty significant. All right. Because if it's just no comma, thou shalt be saved in thy house. It's an automatic. All right. I believe what you're seeing there is this. There's the opportunity for those under the the authority of that home. And he's the guy that's leading it to have the opportunity for them to get saved. And so it's not an automatic that every, if, if I get saved automatically, my kids are automatically saved. Uh, that's kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, it's kind of a, uh, I came from a Catholic background. It's kind of the way Catholics think about things. Like, I'm a Catholic, you're, you're in my house, you're Catholic, therefore you're, you're automatically in heaven, right? My kids, when they got old enough to either accept or reject Jesus Christ, they had to make that choice. But I can tell you this much, it made it a whole lot easier for them to get saved and stay right with God, knowing that daddy was doing so as well. So the idea is more so a matter of, matter of fact, I don't have time to do this right now, but there's a, a man named, uh, is it Jairus? No, 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 no. It's a different man. Uh, a, a, a man, a Roman, a centurion, who Jesus, uh, uh, he says to Jesus, I'm a man under authority. Remember that? And, and so uh, Jesus says, this guy has great faith. The whole principle there is this, is that if someone is leading in something, it provides the opportunity for those under their leadership to also join in that thing. And so there's that opportunity for the house to be saved. Does that make sense? Amen. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time in the Word. Thank you for your people hungry for the Word of God. Lord, I pray that they would be filled today. God, fill us with the Spirit of God and fill this place with your Spirit. God, I pray that uh, during this time of, uh, of fellowship, during a time of just a little bit of, uh, of a break between our services, God, you give us sweet fellowship together. Help us to meditate on the things that we've learned. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. We'll start at uh, about 10 after.